0: So in other accounts of this parable, Jesus has them sit down in groups, right? They recline on the grass. And so um, kind of a funny thought that popped into my head as I was praying with this that I thought you might enjoy is this is perhaps the biblical roots of the liturgical ministry of ushers. (laughs) I don't know. I think the link that the church is trying to show us today, though, is between the prophet Elisha and the Gospel of John. I had honestly forgotten that Elisha had a feeding miracle in the second book of Kings. Great job on the names, by the way. Goodness, Baal Shalisha. I read that and I said, oh boy, we're going to have some fun with the lectors this weekend. <laughs> the prophets foreshadow what is to come in Christ, though. And so Elisha, he feeds the hungry people from the abundance that God gives him. It doesn't seem like enough, but it is because Elisha has faith in God and knows that if he trusts in God, it will come to pass. So they all had eaten and there was some left over. And then in the Gospel, Jesus Christ does the same thing, except He does even more with less. He feeds a crowd of thousands With probably stuff, I mean, it would probably work for me, but if there's anyone else in the room, five loaves and two fish might be pushing it, right? (laughs) But he feeds thousands with just that small amount. And then there's 12 wicker baskets left over. It's this super abundance that God wishes to provide for us. And there is so much we can pull out of this gospel if we're looking for it. It's a reminder that when God gives us gifts, He gives us way more than we can handle. He fills us up, and then there is some left over even after that. That's just scratching the surface, though, of what's going on here. Another thing we can take out of these these readings today is that God desires true worship. And you might be thinking, where in the world does worship come out of this? if you look at the pagan worship rituals at that time and before that, a lot of them revolve around a communal meal where the people would gather and they'd offer food to their pagan deities as a way of being hospitable because also you have to feed your pagan deities because they get hungry, these statues of stone or whatever. They need food and they need dressed and that's what the priests would do. They'd care for them. But this is an exact inversion of all of that. Instead, God has his people go to rest. They do not have to work to care for him. And then Jesus Christ takes from the little they have and provides this superabundant feast for all of them. Instead of the people taking care of this statue made of stone, instead, the one true God of all the universe cares for his people. That was the revolution of Judaism and of Christianity, that God cares for us, it's not the other way around. And that's what all of our worship eventually gets back to. And if you notice, the words used in here are very similar to the words we use at Mass when we speak of the Eucharist. Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed them to those who were reclining. It's not exactly the same words, but we hear something very similar in our Eucharistic prayer where he took bread, he offered it, he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples. That's not a mistake. (laughs) Because at Mass, God is feeding us. And while this little thing that looks like bread doesn't do much for our physical bodies, the much more important food that God gives us is the spiritual food of the Eucharist. And it is super abundant, just like this was, because what happens at Mass is we receive God Himself into our bodies. And He fills us with His love and His grace because He feeds us with Himself. And that's when we come to St. Paul in this second reading where he speaks of unity, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. When we receive the Eucharist, we are unified with God. And because we are unified with God, we are also unified with everyone else who has received the Eucharist. Every time we receive the Eucharist, it's a great miracle, not only because we receive God, but because it reinforces the unity among all Christians who share this same Eucharist. And it reinforces those promises we made at our baptism to follow God and to allow him to continue igniting and lighting that fire of Christ that was lit in our hearts at that moment. You know, I had a baptism last night and right after we have the baptism, we anoint them with chrism and then after that we give them that lighted candle, the light of Christ. The Eucharist nourishes that light in our hearts. And so today, as we go through our day, as we go through our week, let's thank God for this great gift of the Eucharist which the Greek word for Eucharist literally means thanksgiving, by the way. So let us give God thanks for that. Let us thank him for all the gifts that he gives us. And let us not be afraid to turn to God in faith like the prophet Elisha did, to give him our needs and to say, Lord, I trust that you will provide for me. Let's give that all to him as we turn to him in our prayers this week.